Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 9, Psalm 97. God's word reads, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. Let the multitudes of the isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him and burneth up the enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened the world. The earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Zion heard and was glad. And the daughters of Judah rejoice because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for righteousness and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. We'll take our hymnals again. Hebrews 9 and verse 20, God's word reads, saying, This is the blood of the New Testament, which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. What an amazing passage of Scripture, but I want us to notice the, probably the most familiar verse there 
It's verse 27. It says this, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now we're continuing our series on our study of God. And we're finding out that we can look at a lot about things, but we need to learn about God. And many people are distracted by the things of this world. So we've seen the love of God. We've seen how that God is merciful. God cares for us. We've seen that God is the way, the truth, and the life. We've learned about God the past few weeks. But here's something about God that many people forget. Yes, we have a loving Savior. And I'm thankful for that because if we don't have the love of God, where would we be today? But God commendeth His love toward us, the Bible says, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31 verse 3, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. There is no doubt that God loves every single one of us. The Bible says that He tasted death for every man. He loved you. But here is something that We don't really put alongside love, but the same God who loves every single person, the same God that says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, that same God in and of himself has something very interesting. Notice that last word in the word, uh, verse 27, judgment, judgment. I'm speaking on the judgment of God, the judgment of God. Now, this is not a subject I like to speak on. I'd rather preach on the love of God, to be honest with you. I'd rather speak on uh, something encouraging and motivating. I like motivating sermons. I like sermons where you get motivated and, and all fired up and you want to go do something. But you can't preach on that every week. Because if I just motivated you, you'd be motivated for no reason. What motivates you today? I want you to know that the same God who loves us, the same God who motivates us, the same God that encourages us, wants us to know about His character, wants us to know what He does and who He is. And if you preach a God of love and you preach a God of motivation, but you don't preach a God of judgment, you're not preaching the God of the Bible. Because you're removing one aspect of God. And God says, I am just as much a God of judgment as I am a God of mercy. Notice what he says of verse 27 again. God is writing here and he says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now, before we understand the judgment of God, we're going to have to understand some things first. So, are you with me on the journey? I'm going to take you on a journey today in my sermon to take you to the judgment of God. So, we're not going to talk about the judgment of God first. We're going to end with the judgment of God. So, that's the beginning and the end of my sermon but I'm not through yet. Here's the first point. The first point is this. Everyone has appointments. Everyone has appointments. Notice what the Bible says in verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die. And I want to just simply tell you that it doesn't matter where you're born, what struggles you faced in life, where you're from, where you've moved to, how old you are, how much hair you have, how much hair you don't have. The truth is everyone here has appointments. Now, I want to show you the appointments in the Bible. There are two types of appointments, only two, that God gives us. And hold your place here. Now, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 9. But I want to show you the two appointments in the Bible, and that is in the book of James chapter 4. God really simplifies our life. We like to make it complicated. God simplifies it. He just says everybody has appointments. James chapter 4. 
in verse 13. The Bible says in James 4, verse 13, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, notice the first part in verse 13. He says, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go. So he says, The first type of appointment that there is in the Bible and in society in general is this the appointments that we make. The appointments we make. He says, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and buy and sell and get gain. That sounds like you and me, doesn't it? We, we get up in the morning, we go to work, that's to get gain, right? You go to work, you work real hard all day, you work all week, you get your check, you got your gain. You, you buy and sell and get gain. And for those that are not working, you go to the store and you buy things and you purchase from other people and you gain those things. Maybe you say, well, I don't have enough money and I don't do all that, I, but... You do this, maybe you've done this before. Maybe you've met with somebody who's a friend of yours and you've went and you've had coffee with that person. It's only just a couple of dollars to have a coffee with someone, but you didn't really spend that much money and you weren't meeting with that person just to get something from them necessarily uh, as far as money goes, but you did get something from them, didn't you? You got your time, your social life. You got your friendship with them. There's nothing wrong with good friendships. He's just saying everybody has appointments, but the first kind of appointment is, is the appointments we make. Now, here's an appointment that most of us understand. That would be a doctor's appointment. Many of you understand what it means to go to the doctor. You have an appointment and you talk with your family doctor and you say, I'm, I'm experiencing pain in this area or I have a problem here. I want you to take a look at something. And the doctor says, well, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm booked, like my doctor says. Or Friday, 9 a.m., if you can be there. So you will say, if it's important enough, you will say in your head, okay, let's think about the schedule. Yes, I have to work, but I can get a doctor's excuse for that. I think I'll go in because it's serious enough for me. Yes, on the phone with them, 9 a.m., I'll be there. I'll miss a couple hours of work. But I'll be back at work and we'll fix everything. And I'll, I'll appoint that day as the day. And so you write it in your phone. You write it in your calendar. These are the appointments that we make. But I want you to see another part of uh, James chapter 4 in verse 13. He says, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, that's a specific place, and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. So this person had... Not only short-term plans, they said today or tomorrow, we're going to go into such a city. We're going to buy and sell and get gain. The second uh, type of uh, person there, he, he said this person that makes their own plans, they not only have short-term plans, they have long-term goals. He said, I'm going to continue there a year. I've got a plan. I'm going to go to a certain city. I'm going to continue there a year. That means I'm going to live there. I'm going to continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. And God says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? 
It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. So the first type of appointments that we all have is the appointments we make. The second type of appointments are the appointments God makes for us. The appointments God makes for us. And there's a big difference. Imagine this. Imagine you're going to the doctor on that 9 a.m. appointment and you're headed down the road and you get into traffic. And you miss your entire doctor's appointment due to traffic. And you even call ahead and say, can you wait on me? And they said, well, it is such a backup line that we have. We are booked the entire week. You may be able to get in at another time, but we'll try to work it out. But you can't come in today and you may argue with a person on the phone and say, well, I arranged my whole work schedule to be here at 9 a.m., but something that was unforeseen happened to me. You know what that is? That's the appointment God made for you. And that's a practical example. Maybe that traffic accident that you were waiting in line for, that was somebody's fault. But the truth is, God allowed that to happen. And he has appointed a different plan, even though you had another appointment. God can change your appointments. There are appointments we make, and there are appointments God makes for us. Now go back to Hebrews chapter 9. Now I want you to see the verse again. It gives you much more understanding on this verse. It says in Hebrews 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men. Who is the word men there? That's not just talking about men. Just men. It's talking about men, women, boys and girls. It's talking about every single person. That's referring to mankind. And he is saying here, as it is appointed unto men, as it is appointed unto anybody in this world, wants to die. I want to tell you, you can make a lot of appointments. But I want to tell you the appointment you're never going to miss. It's the appointment God makes for you. And that's this appointment. He says, it's appointed unto men once to die. Everyone has appointments. We make appointments. God makes appointments for us. It says that in this verse, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. There are two parts to God's appointment for you. The first part is the fact you're going to die. That's the sad thing. You're going to die. Every person here is going to die. Well, you may say, Pastor, why are you even preaching this? Because this is so simple. But I want you to understand, we overlook it, don't we? We try to put our minds away from the idea that we're going to die someday. But we're praying today for a little girl who's a year and a half who's very sick in the hospital. I knew a young man who died at 10 years old because he contracted strep throat and it got worse and worse and it was undealt with. And because it was undealt with, he died. And that was 20 years ago. We didn't know he was going to die that day. And you can have all the appointments in your life that you want and you can have all these plans, but how many people in history have made appointments and said, you know, next year I'm going to do this. And about five years from now I'm going to do that. And I need to have a five-year plan and a ten-year plan and something happens that changes that plan. You know why? Because God makes an appointment and the greatest appointment is death. So let me ask you a simple question. Are you ready to die today? You see, you're never ready to live the life that you ought to live until you're ready to die. You have an appointment with death. Well, what happens after we die? Well, the Bible says there are two places that we go after we die, that is heaven or hell. Heaven is not for all the good people because none of us are good. Heaven 
is for every person who is a sinner, who has realized they're a sinner, Jesus Christ died for them on the cross, and they realize that they can't do enough good to earn eternal life in and of themselves. Even their own belief system is not going to help them. They have to turn that over and say, Lord, I am trusting you and you alone to take me to heaven. I believe in that death, burial, resurrection of Christ is the only way of salvation. I am turning from my sins and I am receiving Christ as my personal Savior. This is the way. I am trusting it. Until you're ready to trust Christ as your personal Savior. Until you're ready to see Christ as your Savior. You'll not go to heaven. Heaven is a real place. It's a wonderful place. There's lots of songs written about heaven. There are lots of books written about heaven. And I'm glad I'm going to heaven. I have lots of family members I plan to see in heaven. But you know the greatest thing about heaven is this. The Son of God. The Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Revelation 5 that we will fall on our faces before Him and we will say, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And that's for all the people in heaven. And when you get to heaven, we have this idea we're going to be floating on clouds and playing harps and singing hallelujah. But that's not how it's going to go. We're going to be worshiping Him. And I find many people down here don't enjoy worship. They think it's boring. Well... You better ask whether you're going there or not because you're going to be worshiping there for all of eternity. You'll be worshiping the Lamb of God. This is in heaven. It is a perfect place. There is no sin there. There is no sorrow there. There is no sickness there. The Bible says the former things are passed away. Here's what he says about heaven. Did you know this? He said, and God shall wipe all tears from our eyes and there shall be no more sorrow nor crying. Not one person is going to cry in heaven. And it's not because they're not trying to hold back their tears. It's because have you ever had any sorrow in this life? You ever had any struggle in this life? And when you get to heaven, you may have tears running down your face and God's going to take his hand and wipe all the tears away. He's going to take his hand and wipe them away. God says, I'll wipe all the tears from your eyes. You'll never have tears in heaven. Many people who study that will say that could be even the memory of anything sinful or anything bad. I tend to think they're right because the Bible says there is no sin that God allows in heaven. It is a pure place. It is a holy place. It is a righteous place. But there's also a place called hell. And the same God who wants everyone to go to heaven is the same God who warns us about a place called hell. Many people have the wrong idea about hell. They think God is sitting up in heaven laughing at people as they go to hell. No, that's the devil. That's not God. God is heartbroken if every, any person dies and goes to hell without him, his son. And the hell was not originally made for us. It was made for the devil and his angels because they rebelled against God. But men go there when they reject God as their personal Savior. So you have heaven and hell. And this is an appointment you're going to keep. You're either going to one or the other. There is no in-between. There's no purgatory. There's no time where you can come back. I want you to understand the Bible says, as it is appointed unto men once to die. Many people would say, well, you know, if I was pretty good in this life and I die, I'll come back as something else. I'm sorry, but that's not what God teaches God says this very clearly. Notice the verse. Don't notice my opinion. Notice the verse. It says, as it is appointed unto man once to die. If you only die once, you're not going to die twice. So it's very simple. There's no reincarnation. There's no second chance. And this brings me to my second point. The first thing is, everybody has appointments. The second thing is this. Everyone has an opportunity. 
Everyone has an opportunity. Notice one word in this verse. It says, as it is appointed unto men once to die. Once. Just once. You know what this means? Reverse it. Let's not talk about death for a moment. Let's talk about life. Reverse this verse and it says, as it is appointed unto men once to die. Yes, that means we're all all have an appointment with death, but that means you have an appointment with your life as well. That means that while you're alive right now, you have this opportunity to trust the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. You have this opportunity, if you're a Christian, to serve the Lord. You only have the time that you have right now. Notice, he says in this verse, in verse 27, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment, once to die. I want you to go down to verse 28. He said, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. I want you to know something that God wants to give you the life that you ought to live called the Christian life. It is the Christ-filled life. It is a Christ-joyous life. It is the only life you should live. You should not live a life without Christ and die and go to hell. God wants you to live with Him as your Savior, with Him inside of you. But here is how it's possible. If you realize, as it is appointed unto man once to die. But remember, 2,000 years ago, Jesus once shed his blood for you. And when he once shed his blood for you, it was good for all. The Bible says he died once for all. In Hebrews 9, the context here is the fact that people were coming year by year. The Jewish people were coming year by year with a priest. The high priest would offer the blood every year for the sins of the people. And every year he would have to go back. But there was coming a day when there was one who would redeem them, who was the Messiah, who would pay sin's debt in full. And one death for all would cover it all. And that blood would not be tainted blood. It would not be a lamb without blemish. It would be the sinless, spotless lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. And the lamb of God was slain for us. And he rose again from the dead. And the Bible says now he's not a lamb. He's a lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And God says, I have a joyous message for you. That is this. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but I want you to remember, even though you're going to die, once Jesus shed his blood for you so that you could be saved. Everybody has an opportunity. And I want to say, you don't have a do-over in your life. You don't have a do-over. You're not going to live today again, ever. So if you were to die tomorrow, do you know Christ today? Do you know him? Maybe you say, I'm a Christian, I was saved years ago, but are you living for him? You don't have the promise of tomorrow. You don't know if you could end this day without meeting God face to face. And God says, as it is appointed unto men once to die. I want you to know it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. You're going to die today. But not only are you going to die, you're going to meet God. You're going to live for Him and you're going to meet Him. And if you don't live for Him, you'll be ashamed at His coming. Notice what He says again in verse 27. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment, the first thing is everyone has appointments. There are appointments we make. There are appointments God makes for us. Everyone has an opportunity. The Bible says we will once die, which means we have only this life to be saved, not after. But Christ once shed His blood for us. 
And here's the last thing. Everyone will be judged. Everyone will be judged. Now we have to understand the judgment of God. The Bible says in Romans 14 and verse 12, it says, Every man shall give account of himself to God. Did you know God knows every hair on your head? God knows every thought going through your brain right now. God knows every sin you've ever committed in the past. God knows everything about you. He knows the motives you had for sinning when you sinned. He knows what your plans are for next week. He knows what you're going to do this afternoon. He knows all the things he's going to bring into your life that you're not aware of. And yet that same God who knows everything about you, the Bible says, he is your judge. Hold your place here and go with me to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. I want to show you this verse. This is a very good verse in understanding God because many people will look at the judgment of God and they'll say, well, that's not fair. They'll say, I don't understand that. But here's what the Bible says. It's very simple for us to understand. Now, in Genesis chapter 18, you have a wicked area called Sodom and Gomorrah. They were dealing with uh, sexual perversion in that area. They were dealing with homosexuality in that area. They were dealing with all kinds of things that we won't mention due to a mixed audience here. But I want to just mention this verse. The Bible says in verse 25, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So you have Abraham, he's speaking to God, and he says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now, I want to ask you a question. Does God love everybody? God loves everybody. Did you know there's never been a time where he stopped loving you? That's an amazing thing. Even if you continue disobeying the Bible. Did you know there are people here today that, that don't believe the Bible, they don't want anything to do with the Bible, and God still loves them. God still wants them to be saved. God still wants their lives to be changed. And we pray for those people. We should love those people and care for those people. Speak to them the truth, but speak to them the truth in love. But God says here, Abraham asked him the question, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And I want to ask you that question. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Of course, if he's God, he'll do right. If he's God, he'll, he'll judge sin. If he's God, he'll love, but he'll also judge. And the Bible says that everyone will be judged. Well, there are two types of judgment. The first type of judgment is the great white throne judgment. That's in the Bible in Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And the Bible tells us there in Revelation 20, 11 through 15, that in, I'll just read it, Revelation 11 or 20, 11 through 15, the Bible says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is called the book, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. 
And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. The first judgment is the great white throne judgment. And this is for every person who is not a Christian. So if you're not a Christian today... The Bible says if you die and you don't trust Christ as your Savior, one day at the end of time you'll be at the great white throne judgment. And every single person that has not been saved will be there. And God will judge you. And the Bible says here in verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Did you know even the sea, people who died out in the ocean, they're going to come to meet God out of that ocean. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. You say, what does that mean? That means when a person dies, they go, if they're not saved, they go immediately to hell. The last breath they take on earth is their first breath in hell. They'll be in hell until the great white throne judgment. And then at the great white throne judgment, they will be brought out of hell to meet God. And God says here, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. And there is a book of life God has. And that book of life, it has every name. Every name. And God says He's going to look and see if your name is there. But every name only of those who have been redeemed. And so He's going to look and He'll tell the angels, get the books and they'll open the books. And they'll look for your name. Whatever your name is, they'll, they'll look for it and they'll say, is his name there? And they'll go through and I don't know how it's organized. I don't know if it's alphabetical or what it is. But the names are there. And they will look through those names and if you are not a Christian, your name will not be there. The only people whose names are there are those that have been redeemed. And if your name is not there, he has a record to prove it. And he'll say, cast them into the lake of fire. And God will have not sent you, you will have sent yourself because you had this one opportunity. But there's also another judgment, and that's for Christians. And the Bible tells us about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. It says in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust, in 2 Corinthians 5, and I trust also you are made manifest in your consciences. God says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There's a great white throne judgment. And everyone there, if their name's not written in the book, will be cast in a lake of fire forever and ever. And that's a horrible thing. Then there's those that are Christians and they will still be judged and they will stand before God. But they're not going to be judged according to all the bad things they've done. Because you see, the Bible says there was a greater judgment. You know what the Bible says in Isaiah 53? The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he was taken from prison and from judgment. I want you to know something, that Jesus Christ was judged for you. He was judged for you. 
And the Bible says we'll stand before God, even as Christians, and give account of the things done in our bodies according to that we have done. And it is going to be according to the life we have lived, dedicated to Him. But we're not going to be judged after our sins. It'll be the life that we have surrendered to the Lord. But I want you to know that it is all because that Jesus Christ was already judged for us. He paid our sin debt for us. He was taken from prison in judgment. Let me tell you a simple story. Jesus was in prison and there was another man in prison. You know what his name was? Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer. He was a sinner. He was all locked up for being a murderer. And they were going to crucify one at that time of the year. The Romans did that. And so Pilate said, Whom will I release unto you, Jesus or Barabbas? And Jesus was innocent. Barabbas was guilty. And the crowd said, crucify him, crucify him. Release unto us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. What an amazing thing. And so they took the chains off Barabbas' hands and let him go free. A man who was guilty, but he was able to go free even though he was a murderer. All because Jesus was put in chains. And he was beaten, he was spit upon, he was mocked. And he died on the cross for your sin and mine so that we could be set free. And I have a message for you. It's an encouraging message. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how much bondage you're in. God gives you a warning. There is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. But he also gives you an opportunity. He says, choose you this day whom ye will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, I have this opportunity right now. You have this opportunity right now to receive him as your personal savior. And if you do, you receive that Jesus who once died for all so that you can be redeemed. And everything you've ever done, Jesus will wipe the slate clean and forgive you. If you'll only trust him. So I want to ask you a simple question. Why are you here today? Why are you here today? Maybe you came because you got up this morning and said, I'm going to make a plan to come to church today. And it's always a good plan to come to church. So that was your appointment. But I have a question for you. Could it be that you're here because God made this appointment? Let's pray.